listening to Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Out of the Box is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug, HugMeTees.com. Guys, I am so excited to announce I will be at the LA PodFest on September 19th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $59. If you can't make it down to the Sofitel Hotel in Beverly Hills, um, you can check us out at LAPodFest.com. There's a live stream feed and it is $25, but you get $5 off with coupon code ROSIE. That is coupon code ROSIE, R-O-S-I-E. That's my name. And check it out at LAPodFest.com. And as always, we are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I am here today with the CEO of a new investment website, Salim Katri. Salim, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so you are the founder of a new website called Instavest. Tell me about that. Sure, absolutely. So Instavest is a website or a network where people can post and make investments in the stock market. And then other people can copy those positions for a portion of the profit. Uh, basically, uh, just given my background, we found that people, Typically, good investments are reserved for the ultra wealthy. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of knowledge out there, but there was a lot of friction in being able to tap that knowledge and share it freely. And so my co-founder and I, Zain Al-Arakia, decided to start Instavest so that people could leverage off of each other's expertise uh, in investment ideas. Now, is there any type of track record that's showing how that investor... Um is performing because obviously there's a lot of knowledgeable investors out there, but yeah. you don't want to copy an investor that like doesn't know what he's doing. Right? No, that, that's, <laughs> that's, no, you're absolutely right. And that's exactly what we do. So um, I think that the tenets of Instavest are that everything is transparent so people can see everybody else's returns on the website. Number one. Number two is what you see on you know different uh, TV shows and magazines and websites is people constantly touting certain stocks for whatever reason, um, but you never know whether or not that person has invested in that position themselves. Mm, and so and that is really, really, really important because I noticed that as well that you know on certain um, MSNBC or certain channels I see that all the time people saying you know this is a really good stock and this and that and going on and on and on. And again, you don't know if there maybe have um, a relationship, a private relationship with someone on the board or some type of other reason that they're pushing this stock, you know, maybe they're pushing it to short it, right? Exactly. So that's one of the things that we require is, you know, if you are actually want to talk about a particular stock, number one, you have to be thoughtful and analytical about why you like it. But most importantly, you have to actually make the investment on our website so people can see you know, Rosie put in $1,236 into Tesla. And so that demonstrates conviction and they know your incentives are aligned with theirs. So you're kind of putting your money where your mouth is, right? Exactly. That's exactly what we say in the office. Put your money where your mouth is. You got it. You got <laughs> and it. that's really important because I know a lot of people that are very one-sided investors. And what that means is they talk about all of the profits that they're making but they never really talk about the losses, right? I have a friend who's always talking about, oh, I did great in the stock market. I have made this much on this stock, this much on another stock. And the way that I actually know that he's not sharing the whole story is I kind of look at his wife's face and she has that's that hilarious. look on her face like, wow. we're not doing that great, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that's sort of human nature, right? People always want to talk about the good things, 
but you know that's one of the beauties of Instavest is you know we're finally bringing transparency uh, to the stock market, and that's really really important because we're overloaded with information, right? And you know with constant texts, Slack, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, but you want to be able to quickly decipher what's meaningful and what's what's true, and that's 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 exactly what our aim is. Now, what about privacy? Are these, you know, I've looked up a little bit of information um, about the company, but I haven't joined Instavest. Are is it just? Are you just a number? Are you just a person on Instavest, or does it have your information? Like, oh, Rosie Trent is investing in X Y Z. You know, it actually has uh, your name uh, okay. next to it. So, and the reason why we decided to do that is because it's so much more powerful having somebody see or somebody that they recognize, you know, be it a personality like yourself or, you know, a friend of a friend, that's so much more powerful than saying like user ID 6342. Got it. And, and, and again, it just comes back to transparency and sort of making things real. Um, in terms of privacy, you'd be surprised, you know, initially we thought that that might be an issue, but people are generally okay with this concept because they're also benefiting from it. And so that that's that's actually very very powerful. You mean sharing their information and sharing the stocks that they're trading and sharing whatever's out there, right? Ex- exactly, exactly. Um, and the benefit of that is obviously number one, you're you're not, you're you're not only you're helping yourself by being able to see what other research is out there, but the way it works on the in, on the platform is if you make an investment and a bunch of people decide to copy you, when they sell their position through either your guidance or their own volition, they're, they're given an option to gift you a portion of their profits. Kind of like a tip, right? Exactly. And so our average tip is 10.3%. We released that data last week or a few weeks ago. That's a nice tip. Is, yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> tip, especially on, on you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, so where did you guys get your research that, you know, first of all, it sounds like a very realistic statistic when you say the majority of wealth is... Um, or good trades are made with a certain, you know, income level or certain level of wealth. But where are you guys getting these statistics? Because, you know, anyone could say, well, you know, rich people have all the stock knowledge and the rest of us are clueless. Did you guys do any market researches or? Yeah, we did. We did, we did extensive market research. I myself have been since I was 15, you know, 15 years old. I really sort of found out that this was an issue when I worked at Goldman Sachs um, and also at the U.S. Treasury Department. So I have to see that this really, this really was a prevalent problem and that people who are not in the top 1% didn't necessarily have access to great investment opportunities, not because they were, not because they just, you know, uh, you know, didn't have the cash or anything like that, but they just weren't in the know. And this is, this is a way that's sort of an extension of what we're seeing with the on-demand economy with Uber and, and Airbnb. Really, this is just another way for us to share our common thoughts and research. So in a way, this is kind of like the Wall Street or stock market little guys version of the sharing economy. Because like you said, with Airbnb, you know, with uh, with Airbnb, people are kind of disrupting the typical hotel industry, right? So the average person gets a chance to get in on a little bit of that hotel industry revenue and um, someone else saves money. Or with Uber or another sharing economy type thing, someone is able to get a little bit of that taxi revenue and maybe a single mom or someone is able to um, freelance and there's more flexibility. And you're saying that Instavest is kind of the investment version of that. Is what I'm? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I would even argue that it's even easier to share ideas 
or thoughts on a piece of paper than it is to actually have somebody come into your room or being able or in your home or actually having to give a ride to somebody that you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, think about the marginal cost of sharing your idea when you make an investment. It's it's virtually zero. And so that's why it's such a scalable proposition. Um, and Paul Graham, who's the uh, founder of Y Combinator, Y Combinator is a big investor in Instavest, even told us when we sat down that he thinks this can be actually be bigger than Dropbox and Airbnb, which you know, was a big compliment. So let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. You know, is this your first company? This is actually uh, my second company. Your second company. Yep. So what made you get into starting your own business? Because, you know, unfortunately, there is a lot of entrepreneurship, but it seems like a lot of people have this idea that it takes a lot of capital to mm -hmm. start a company or start your own business. Or a lot of people have these you know, um, imaginary mental barriers to doing their own thing. They, they're kind of stuck in the nine to five rat race, what I call it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and, and I, I've definitely done that and I've all, I felt like I was on the, on the hamster wheel that never <laughs> it. we call it the hamster wheel. Um, you sort of get accustomed to a certain lifestyle and you just have to keep going and dealing with people that you don't want to deal with. And I'll tell you what I, I would suggest for all you, all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there, don't go to start a business just because you don't like your current job. Okay. <laughs> because because inevitably that's what you shouldn't build a business on. Even though it's a feeling that we all have had, and a lot of us have, like as as we're speaking right now, the number one way to start a business, and we learned this from YC, was simply build what's what somebody else wants. So make some make something that people want, and if you sort of boil it down to that your core product that is actually something that people really care about and actually would, would pay you for, that's that's a real business. So don't so, just do it to spite your boss because your exactly. boss is a jerk. <laughs> exactly. It's a, temp it's a temporary feeling that, you know, you might feel good in the short term, like a lot of things, but long term, you know, I don't know if it's going to work. What was your first business? Uh, so my first business was a men's product sampling business. So for $12 a month, you would get high-end shaving cream, you know, fragrance samples and, and stuff like that. Um, and so we ended up, my co-founder and I ended up selling that business uh, to another company in Florida. Uh, but it, it, was, it was a great experience. I learned a lot and, you know, it, it taught me about, you know, how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and, and you know, how much persistence and tenacity it takes to succeed. So what were some of the lessons that you learned as far as taking the leap into saying, hey, I'm going to start my own business? You know, obviously you're working for yourself. You're going to be working more hours. Um, you need to be very passionate about your product. But what are some other things that maybe the average person wouldn't know unless they jumped, jumped off that cliff? So I think the first thing is continuing on what we just discussed, which is actually make something that you want. But even a precursor to that would be make something that you would use. And so if you make something that you would use and you're yourself the first customer, it makes it makes your life so much easier. Right. And that's exactly why Zane and I built Instavest. You know, we often joke that if this thing flops and, and we don't think it will, we're growing 15 percent every week, knock on wood, then we can use it to share each other's ideas. <laughs> OK. Right? And it's it's, you know, because, you know, and so when you build something that you can use for yourself, it just it, it really is a game changer because now you're the customer. And when you talk about market research, you don't have to stand on a corner and bug people and ask them random questions like, you know, what you want uh, in a product. And chances are, if you want that product or service, then your friends who are typically similar to you will want that same thing. So you already have an inherent group of customers. 
So basically looking to fill a need instead yes. of um, looking to create something new. Because a lot of times I think people have this kind of idea that, well, I need to create the next big thing. And instead of thinking, where is there a hole that needs service, I guess. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. It can be really daunting. I, it's kind of like, you know, will you ever get the bat off your shoulder? If you're trying to create the next Facebook every single time, you'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you know, you'll probably never do anything. So it's okay to start small. It's okay, and it's actually preferred to start very, very narrow and go deep in that in a single vertical and then sort of branch off horizontally rather than try to go horizontally at first um, and, and not get a lot of customers. You really want to build something that even if it's a few people and they love it, I think you, you've done really well. But even with Facebook and some other con- and some other concepts, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're actually evolving something, you know, um, with in- InstaVest. You yep. didn't create the first online exactly. investing platform for, you know, you're not Charles Schwab or E-Trade or whatever. Those already exist. You're taking something that's already out there and saying, hey, there's a need. There's something out there that doesn't work for me with the current system. So let me evolve it. Let me grow it. Let me take it to the next level. Exactly. You're exactly right. And so it's okay to make something that's a better mousetrap. That's, that's what it's better. It's, that's, that's what it is. It's a better mousetrap. And so we're just trying to make investing easier for people. And, you know, so I, I did build it for myself, but then I thought about my wife and I wondered, you know, you know, she, she's been a really good saver during her, during her career. She wanted to invest. She would give me the money to invest for her. But I was like, why, you know, there had to be some way where if I did something with one click, she could basically just copy what I did. Because I obviously had her interest at heart too, and she and, can understand it. Now, are yeah. now are the investors on there explaining why they're making certain trades, or is there a forum where they can explain their interest in certain co- companies, or what? How does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So the way it would work is, let's say I thought Tesla was a good buy, um, and so I would buy the stock just like I normally would, you know, like on Fidelity or E Trade or what have you, Charles yes. Schwab, and then I would write on Instavest three to five paragraphs about why the Tesla stock is compelling. Now, is InstaVest linked to your brokerage accounts or is it an actual brokerage? We are linked to a brokerage right now. We're linked to uh, one brokerage and that's called Tradier Brokerage. Okay. Um, it's a software-based broker that charges $3.49 per trade, which is super, super cheap. I was about to say that's yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, it's, really, it's, it's, a great, it's a great deal for our customers and, and we don't charge our customers any fees or anything like that to participate. Um, so you just you buy the stock on our website, which is connected to trade your brokerage, and then from there uh, you write three to five paragraphs about why the stock is good. Um, it gets approved at Instavest to make sure that there's everything is is okay and it's uh, you know it, it it matches up with what the SEC filings say. And then anybody on the website can just copy it with one one click. Um, that's the way it works. What about professional investors? Can you can you get in trouble? Because I know that some professional investors, um, if they're giving out that type of advice, unless the person is a client or the person is, or they're giving specific advice to that person, it can be considered, you know, not kosher with um, those, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand. Right now, we don't have uh, professional investors on our platform, uh, both because they have compliance reasons um, and obviously they have a a fiduciary duty to their customers. Um, But we have a variety of other customers that um, 
or, or sorry, lead investors that sort of are, don't fall into that bucket and you know, are more than comfortable and are allowed to make investments. So like doctors, lawyers, other people that are, are investing heavily that might not have professional investments um, experience, but might know maybe some information or maybe like you said, because wealthier people tend to have more investment, better investments, talking amongst themselves and having maybe not insider information, but obviously that's illegal, but more, more up to date information. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, it's actually interesting. The doctors and lawyers and engineers on our, on Instavest are tend to be more of the people who like to copy. Okay. And so, which is, which is totally cool. But the people that actually lead investments are former hedge fund professionals. You know, they, they've made a lot of money and they've decided to retire from their hedge fund or, or institutional money managers who don't have conflicts. Uh, so these are professionals in the sense that they're, they're professional and they, they're very, very good at what they do. But they are, their current day job does not preclude them from leading investments. Because if they were quote-unquote professional investors for example, a financial advisor or, or CFP yeah. or something, they would have those compliance regulations. Exactly. It really depends on where you work. Mm-hmm. What about um, the average like mom or, or um, you know, the average teacher? Is, is this too high, high hoity-toity for them? Or? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I want to make it anti-hoity-toity. <laughs> um, actually, you know, so you know, we, we have so many. I'm really glad you asked that question. I would say 60% of our you know, followers are first-time investors. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and 40% of that are females. And that is a very, very high percentage. It is. And the, and the reason why is because, as I said earlier, women tend to be really good savers. They want that agency relationship. They want, they want some of that guidance, but they don't necessarily want to be locked in. Mm-hmm. And so we, really, we sort of give them that, that sort of opportunity f- to be helped if they want additional help, but at the same time, give them the opportunity to sort of do it themselves. Um, and so we, we, it's a very, very simplistic user interface so that people can just come in, read something that, you know, could, that resonates with them, and then they can actually make an investment very quickly. You know, I like that because I think what you're doing is you're empowering people to make their own decisions. And a lot of times, I know myself personally, I like to do my own investing and I like to invest in stocks and mutual funds that I really trust to do the research on myself. And a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever been to a professional investor, um, you can be talked down to, uh, you can be made to feel like you don't really understand. And a lot of professional investors, you know, they're good at investing, they're good at numbers, they're good at looking at statistics, they're good at technicals. Sure. And they're not really that great with customer service, dealing sure. with people, other things, because it depends on what type of investor. But I know a lot of financial investors are numbers guys. Yeah. And that can be a little bit overwhelming. And especially if you're a woman, you know, I um, have a great portfolio, which I love. And, That's awesome. And I do great. But I personally have felt very talked down to when wow. I go to some of these professional, quote unquote, investors. So I think this is a great way to empower people where they can read and do the research for themselves. And it's, you know, through the internet. So you're not in, you're kind of like being empowered, right? Absolutely. And, and first of all, I'm really sorry to hear that, um, you know, you've had those experiences, but I have heard that from other, other people, um, both men and women. But I, I do think exactly we're empowering them. We're giving people an opportunity to invest in the stock market for the first time. And really just find like obscure investments that, that, that they would never even 
have heard of, but really have a good sort of profile behind them are very healthy companies, but are just misunderstood by people who don't have the time. To and there's research. thousands and thousands of companies on the market, but maybe people are just hearing like the main ones, you know, AT&T or whatever, um, McDonald's, Walmart, the main companies. So you're saying that this is a chance for some little guys that are, you know, making good dividends and good profits to show their face. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so we, I like, we fundamentally believe that um, a great investor does not have to sit in New York City. Okay. They could, they could be. They <laughs> and could you guys are in Boston. Yeah. You know, well, I'm actually. I have a Boston number, but I'm actually. We're actually in Mountain View, California. So not. Too oh, okay. So people. you're in California. Yeah, we're in California, but the, a, a great investor could be somebody who works at Domino's Pizza. Like it doesn't. We're not. We're totally agnostic as to that person's pedigree and background or it's just a matter of are they a good investor can they communicate like a you know thoughtful reasoning for why the investment makes sense those are the people that we want to find and we want to give them an opportunity to shine along with you know letting people like yourself you know make make money on stocks that they may not have necessarily found before what's in your portfolio can we see your portfolio we sign in yeah absolutely so if you go to instavest.com backslash uh, Salim Askatri. So um, you get your own uh, profile. Co- um, what is it? Um, URL, right? Exactly. Everybody has their own URL, which is pretty cool. And you can look at you can look at my returns. You can look at any investor's returns. Um, though our top investor, his name is J U. So it's instavest.com backslash J A Y hyphen W O O N. J made five six investments on Instavest, and he's just like it away. Like what are just, what are some of the returns that AJ's getting a big plug right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean he's just an amazing investor. Uh, the other day, uh, I think January twenty or sorry June twenty ninth, he invested in a particular stock and it was up. The stock was up twenty nine percent the other day. Wow! And so you know that's you know, he's just a very good investor. He knows you know what to look for, and obviously that's his secret sauce. But he's also a really good communicator, and and people really enjoy investing with him. So. Um, can you copy certain investments only? Or do you have to copy this entire portfolio? No. So it's that's a really good question. It's actually single investments only currently. So um, you could you would look at a feed of different investment opportunities, and then you would with one click copy a particular stock. So it's not portfolio based right now. It's really just giving people an opportunity to just pick the cherry pick the best investments that they want based on the rationales that are available to them. And then, um, like you said, there's a commission or percentage. It goes back to the person and they can tip if it does well, right? That's a, that's exactly right. So what okay. happens is if, uh, let's say, for example, Jay Yoon decided to sell his position, you would receive an email notification. And later, we're building out a mobile app right now where if you just swiped right, then you could just buy the stock or you could sell the stock. And but you don't have to com- completely copy the person, right, if you want to hold it longer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally up to you. But that guidance is really valuable because, you know, sometimes people don't people don't have the time to research a stock in, in great detail. Mm-hmm. Um, they really do appreciate that, you know, that level of sort of handholding. Now, what about fundraising um, or uh, um, raising money for your company? You know, you said you sold your, um, was it a shave club kind of? Uh, it was kind of like shave club, except 
it was more for other products, you know, like, fra- you know, fragrances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you you sold that and then yep. you decided, you know, you and your business partner decided, hey, you know, this this is a really good need that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys go around f- uh, getting venture capital money or how does that work? Yeah, so we were fortunate enough after we applied to get into Y Combinator. Y and what Com- is that? For the y Combinator, yeah, sure. No, Y Combinator is one of the most... I would say the, it's probably the prestigious seed stage uh, venture capital firm. And basically, you apply, and then if, if you get in, you spend about three months with them. And every week or so, you have meetings with partners, and they sort of help you in, um, build your company and help you sort of tackle the core issues that any young company would face, which you know, including growth and, and fundraising, and et cetera, et cetera. So we receive money from Y Combinator, after we graduated from Y Combinator at the end of March, we also raised more money from a variety of other institutional investors um, through the Y Combinator demo day. So we were, you know, we were given a platform to showcase our product, and thankfully we were we were met with a lot of uh, interest. Uh, so was it kind of like an apprenticeship? It, it's kind of like an apprenticeship. More, some people would call it like an accelerator. Other people would call it an incubator. But really, it's just you know, you know, guidance in terms of, hey, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to tackle this problem. And they will, they'll say, you know what, you know, we, we've, in, we've, you know, gone through this several times, and this is the way we would approach that problem. Uh-huh. Um, so instead of just throwing spaghetti off the wall and seeing what yeah. sticks, you're using the collective knowledge of others who have done startups before. Exactly. And so uh, there's a, part- a particular partner that we had who was amazing. Uh, his name was Kasser Yunus. Uh, Kasser sold his first startup to Google um, and then later worked at Google for a period of time. After he left Google, he became a partner at Y Combinator and he was sharing his advice with us. So these people have proven themselves before uh, and they've done a really good job with sort of their their startups. So obviously they have the knowledge to be able to help others. And um, you are not a programmer, correct? I, I am not a programmer. My awesome co-founder, Zane, is the is our engineer um, is our is our lead engineer and he's the one responsible for you know building the beautiful product. Okay, so this sounds like a great um, product and website for the listeners who are interested in checking out some alternative investment ideas to go yeah. check out. No, definitely. And um, what I can do after afterwards, we'll send you a link and we'll set up your listeners with. You know, uh, a f- you know, free fifty dollars if they if they decide to sign up coming from your website. Oh, perfect. Okay, so um, we'll set up that link, and it will be a free fifty dollars in investing at the the brokerage site. Exactly. So if you come to, I'll, I'll send you guys the link. But basically, it'll bring them to instavest.com. It'll be obviously referred from your website, and then if they sign up, uh, and then they open up an account, which is a minimum of a thousand dollars, as our brokerage re- uh, requires then we'll give them another $50 on top of that. And that's pretty standard. You know, I know there's a lot of websites like ShareBuilder and stuff where you can start really low with like $10 to invest, but I think 1000 is not completely, you know, out of the question. Exactly. And, and we want to give people the ability to, you know, take, you know, three to four positions that are meaningful to them to show them that, you know, InstaVest really does work. So that's, that's sort of the reason why we decided on this number. Uh, what have you been surprised by, but you know, um, going through this awesome program and, 
you know, starting your second company, has there anything that has surprised you? I mean, you, were you in Silicon Valley before uh, with your Shave Club or I mean, I'm not Shave Club, but your sample club? Yeah, so we were, in, uh, we were in Silicon Valley before. You know, I think it's, you know, whenever you're building a consumer product, things are moving very, very fast. The other thing is, is that we operate in a really highly regulated industry. Um, but, you know, given my time at the U.S. Treasury, I think we have a pretty good grasp of what it is that it takes. Um, but I would say with any startup, things just move really, 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 really fast. And you have to be able to adjust and adapt very, very quickly. And so, so that's a good thing because there's a lot of change that happens in life. And I think that's why entrepreneurs tend to be a little bit more open-minded because when you're working for yourself, uh, excuse my language, shit hits the fan sometimes <laughs> and you have to be ready to yes, change and shift all and grow time. and learn all the time. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what startup life is, right? Like it takes, you will get punched in the face every single day. <laughs> that's just a fact of life. And if you don't want to get punched in the face, every single day, then don't, don't run us. Don't try to run a massive startup, (laughs) but it's so worth it. It's so amazing. I love waking up really, really early in the morning to do what we do. And it really is super fulfilling. Uh, What were you doing at the treasury? So in 2008 and 2009, the U S government, um, quote unquote, bailed out a bunch of companies in order to make sure that they wouldn't have a, you know, down, downright effect on the economy. And so my job was to manage those investments. I guess it's affectionately known as the auto and bank bailout. Mm-hmm. And so um, specifically, my, my investments included General Motors, Ally Financial, and, and a host of community banks. And my job was to get that money back for the U.S. taxpayer. Oh, okay. So you're one of the good guys. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of negative energy around the bailout. So. I know. <laughs> um, and... Uh, you said that working at the Treasury and working at Goldman Sachs helped yeah. you to find that this market needed to exist, that Instavest was something that needed to exist. Yep. What type of things were you seeing there that made you realize that? I mean, I, I see it's kind of like an after effect idea, right? So so Uber comes out and like so many people I know go, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? Right. Because, exactly. Because exactly. it seems like such a common sense idea. Oh, people share rides. But those are the best ideas. Yeah, right? right? Those are the best ideas. So like, what what did you see at the time that made you think, oh my gosh, you know, because you said working at the Treasury and working at Goldman Sachs, you started to see these patterns. I think uh, at, at Goldman Sachs, uh, which is, you know, it, you're dealing with very, very sophisticated, yeah. both people who work there, employees and, and sort of customers. Um, it is very much sort of the 1%. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you see how Goldman is very, very good at sharing ideas and, and, and customer service. Like Amongst the, its well, customers and ex- its culture. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so, I, you know, I thought to myself, well, why can't some of these amazing ideas be available to sort of the rest of the rest of the world or the rest of the investment community? And while I was at Treasury, I was working with sort of the complete opposite group where okay. yeah, within our division, we had people who had lost their homes okay. and were underwater on their mortgage and they had foreclosure issues. And, and you really began to see sort of like the, di- the, the, the dichotomy of both places. Um, and so I thought that, you know, this, that was a bit of a sign. And I thought that one way for people to actually make good investments is to leverage off of the intelligence and research of, of other people who are really good at doing that. But the key thing was they had to preserve the ability to opt in or opt out. And so that's why we built Instavest the way it is. 
So what I'm hearing is that you saw a lot of inequality amongst knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. And there just wasn't a way to share it in an efficient way. I think leverage is a really good term to use because that's what it sounds like you're doing is you're giving everyone else a chance to get in on people who really have a lot of insight. Exactly. Exactly. And so we have a lot of people like, you know, for example, we have we do have a physician who happens to be really, really good at understanding genetics. Um, And so when there's a, a biotech company that is in his field, He's really, really good at reading the FDA paperwork to understand whether or not this company is going to do well. And so if he buys the stock and he shares why he bought the stock and it makes sense to people, it's a, it's a pretty good bet to have, right? And, Assuming all and the that's not considered any type of insider information? No, because it's all public information. Anything, Got it. It's Got all it. public information. And, and, and absolutely. So InstaVest is based on public information, publicly available information. But the key thing is that some people are better understanding that publicly available information than others. Yeah, because, you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously. I don't know anything about genetics. I'm reading these, you know, reports and I'm going to, there's a big question mark over my head, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. you're, so it's, it's the interpretation of that public information. It's not the information itself. It's how people are interpreting and it sounds like you're taking the collective consciousness. You know that idea that two two brains or two heads are better than one? Yep. And you're letting people who have a different viewpoint on something look at it a different way and share that leverage. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and just to, you know, um, to be clear, though, just because a bunch of people invest in a particular stock doesn't make that stock golden, right? Like, you, you still should do your own research. You still should understand how the business makes money. Um, and stock picking in general, it, I, I really do think it's reserved for like 15 to 20% of your portfolio. If you're a beginning investor, my recommendation would be to put, put most of your money in index funds where you sort of set it and forget it. But this is another place where you can search for higher yielding you know, assets and, and, and you know, have fun in the process. Yeah, so we're not putting all of our you know, entire life savings into a stock portfolio. This is, like you said, a small percentage of money that you feel comfortable because they're not all winners, right? Exactly. Where you feel comfortable with some fluctuations and volatility, maybe. Right. Um, You're not going to put your whole retirement savings in. Exactly. And and also to do your research, also trusting the perspective or leverage that the investors on there have, but do your own due diligence because, you know, you can't just trust other people blindly as well. This is another tool in your toolbox, not the only tool. You got it. You got yeah. it. You nailed it on the head. Okay. Um, that sounds really interesting. I really liked the example you gave with the doctor because I would have never thought of that. But that's um, that's very important um, information. Yeah. yeah. We just want to make it. You know, we want to make it tangible. We want to make it real. And investing is not daunting. You just shouldn't invest the money you need for food next week. <laughs> yes. Right? And, so, and so part of it is education. Like we have a blog. I would encourage all your listeners to visit it. It's blog.instavest.com where we post, you know, cool infographics on certain stocks. Um, and, you know, last week we posted uh, an infographic on Starbucks and how, you know, the, in the world we drink $10 billion of Starbucks every single year. And so then we took that $10 billion and we said, you know, what, are, what could we do with $10 billion? And so we try to do cool things like that to make investing more, you know, digestible. 
And I think it's really important, you know, what you said about don't invest you're the food, the money you need for food next week. But also think it's very important for people to understand about investing in general, because I hear a lot of people who have this fear of investing. That's just right. ridiculous. Exactly. Um, I had a friend that um, was given a inheritance, small inheritance, not it wasn't, you know, millions of dollars. It was a couple thousand dollars. And him and his sister were given um, the inheritance. So I'm I don't know the details. Let me just make up a specific amount. So say he got 5,000 and his sister got 5,000 and his sister said that she was going to buy some type of jewelry with it or whatever, you know, and that he went and invested that money. And it was so funny because his family was like, Oh, be careful, you know, be careful with that. You might lose it. Oh, investing that's dangerous. That's risky. So they were perfectly fine with the $5,000 being spent on some, you know, amount of jewelry that sure. can possibly lose money in value, can be lost, can, you know, basically, as far as I'm concerned, if you're shopping with that money, you're just throwing it in the dumpster. Right. Exactly. Yet his family was very weary of him investing it, it where you can possibly make money. Exactly. I think people, people are generally just weary of things that they don't understand. Yes. And so that, you know, that, that and you, and you nailed it on the head. So we really want to help them understand what investing is like. If you invested $1 a day for like the next 10 years, there is a very meaningful compounding effect on that investment. And so invest early and, you know, invest now and, and just invest smart. Yes. And I think a lot of people, you know, they don't understand it. They think it's very technical. I, I know a lot of people who they see earnings reports and their eyes start spinning, you know, they just think it's sure. very technical and they don't even understand the psychology. There's a psychology to investing. And also, you know, they see the stock market going up and down every day and the crash and, and they just, there's yeah. a lot of fear and anxiety there. And, you know, as an investor myself, I can tell you that there's a lot of white noise around investing. There is. And so tell me where, where do you like to invest? Um, so I love, I do what Warren Buffett says to do, okay. um, which is dollar cost averaging into uh, balanced mutual funds. Okay. And then I also have some stocks that I invest in. Um, I was an early Apple person. I was an oh. early Netflix person, but I sold my, oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I sold oh, my no. Netflix. Oh, no. <laughs> I oh, sold no. my Netflix before it jumped, you know, a while ago. Yeah. Um, I bought it's it. jumped so many times. Oh my God. It's, it yeah. was 600 and then it split and I was slamming my head on the door. <laughs> yeah. But you got into Apple. Right? I did. Yeah. And, um, I sold that a, actually a while ago to do a down payment on a house which is good um but i was one of those people which is why i really want to i do you know i love plugging your company because it sounds like a great company but i just want to plug investing in general because you know i was very very lucky i got in very early in my early 20s and i remember being interested in investing when i was in high school and i read all these investing books and i had parents you know my parents are immigrants and they don't really understand the stock market Sure. And they always said, you know, it's gambling. Right. right. They would say the stock market is gambling. And I would right. ask them about it as a teen because, you know, I would see people being successful with investing. And, and my parents would say, you know, don't do it. It's gambling. Right. Because they didn't understand it. And every investment book I read said, stop waiting, stop reading investment books, just jump in with like a hundred bucks. Exactly. And figure it out. <laughs> Exactly. And you do figure it out. You really figure out what the levers are. And there it's not that it's not difficult. It's not. It's difficult. not. And I think there's a lot of fear around investing. And I think a lot of people, um, 
I think I read a Robert Kiyosaki book and he said, um, even though he's not a big stock person, but he just said jump in because once you have real money on the line, you'll figure it out fast. <laughs> exactly. Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, that's right. And I think the best way to jump in is when you have some help, right? So that's, yeah, yeah. and I think InstaVest definitely brings that help. When it is because there's people out there, like you said, who may have some knowledge that you don't understand or you don't know, and they, they're explaining why they, they feel that way. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, That's so exactly I think it's right. very important for people to know that investing can be very safe and it's not just a big Hollywood, I mean, um, Wall Street casino. I think a lot of people truly have that belief that it's just a casino. And, and it, whenever I, you know, tweet about investing, I always get a person here and there saying, oh, ready for the next crash or something yeah. about a crash and this and that. And I say, yeah, I have my money in money market. When the cash happens, I'm going to buy up all the, the cheap stocks that people are fear selling. That's awesome. That is exactly <laughs> right. What, what does Warren Buffett say? He said, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Exactly. And that's the psychology part that I really think is important. So I, you know, I hope the InstaVest investors are also explaining this psychology because there's a lot of psychology in investing too, including people fear selling. You know, sometimes you have a great company with great earnings Yep. And great, you know, bones. Yep. But for whatever reason, I'll give you a great example. Um, right after, um, why am I blanking? What was the big bank that crashed? Lehman. Lehman. Right after yep. Lehman crashed, mm-hmm. all bank stocks crashed. Yep. So it doesn't matter if you had, you know, a 100% solid bank with tons of cash and reserves and you were a very, very conservative bank, your bank stock crashed. Exactly. So that's that is exactly a perfect right. time if you understand the psychology to buy bank stocks, right? Exactly. And you know what? I'll give you another example. People constantly ask me when our interest rates going to rise, when our interest rates going to rise and what's going to happen to our stocks. And if you actually do if if you actually look at the research, the research says that when interest rates go up, the US stock market goes up too. With the yeah. exception of one period in 1924, the stock market has gone up. That is true actually. I yeah. I did know that. And so a levered way to actually make money when interest rates rise is to buy banks because banks can charge more money on loans before they pay more on deposits. That makes so, sense, yeah. And so that's one way that we you know, try to educate our... our yeah, obviously, interest. if a bank is charging 7% on a mortgage, they're going to be making more profits than charging 3.8%. Exactly. That's exactly right. There's a lot of information like that, and I just think it's really important because people are so anxious, you know, my mother recently started investing in the stock market after years of calling it a casino. Sure. And she still has, even though, you know, I'm really proud of her for, for stepping in, but she still has that really anxious mentality that it's a casino and, and she gets trigger happy with her finger when stocks go down. I'm like, mom, just take a deep breath. Well, bring her to InstaVest. We'll definitely take <laughs> care of her. We'll definitely take care. I'll treat her like my own mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think people, a lot of people get trigger happy um, when, when they see numbers going down. You know, they're like, oh, no, oh, no. And I'm like, all right, it's a roller coaster. Just take a deep breath. <laughs> I, think, I think it was Fidelity who did um, an analysis of, like, which of their brokerage customers did the best over, like, you know, a very, very long period of time. And it turned out the, the people that did the best in their accounts were the people that forgot that they made investments in the stock market. That is so true. That is <laughs> yeah. actually so true because what happens is you don't look at things going up and down and you just believe in certain companies and then and you, do, you have your dividends reinvested. And exactly. like you said earlier, the interest just compounds. 
And so you end up on average making more money than if you're sitting there watching it every day, buying and selling, you know, ripping your hair out. <laughs> That's right. We, we actually discourage uh, day trading on our site. So we have a recommended holding period of, you know, 14 to 21 days. Um, and so it's, it's basically for that. But most of our investment, investments are long term in nature. Long term investing, I think, is the best type of investing because um, companies are going to grow and long term growth takes you know, it's not going to be a month. It's not going to be five days. It's going to take a while for companies exactly. to get their legs and get their, yeah. yeah. Especially exactly. if you're investing in any small cap or startup or other type of companies. Right. You're, they're going to, it's going to take a while. You know, every, everyone wants to see that 600% growth, but that's, that's kind of delusional. It's a once in a lifetime investment, it but is. most other companies, it's, it's a slow and steady. It is, absolutely. And slow and steady wins the race. Yes, it does. Um, so I'm excited about it. Um, I will get the link from you after the show, or you can email it to our producer. Okay. And um, we will have it up there when the episode is released for people to go and get a $50 a credit Yep. Um, with $1,000 invested. And um, what is in the future of InstaVest? What do you see next? I know you talked about uh, portfolios instead of just individual stocks. What else do you see? I think the next thing that we're going to build is the ability to have options on our site. So right now it's long only stocks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to add options. And then I think, I think shortly thereafter, we're going to introduce what's known as auto sell. Auto sell, the benefit of that to users would be if you're leading an investment and you sell, uh, uh, I would sell along with you for a nominal fee. Got it. So Instead of I'm, just swiping to exactly. get the notification, if you exactly. really trust that investor. Exactly. And so you can opt in to use that. It's, it's totally up to you, but I think we'll do that. And then the, the third big leg is, is going to be mobile um, because, you know, we, we really do believe that the future of sort of investing is, is on mobile. It is. And I think with options, you know, that's something that you mentioned that's really important because when someone is a very, so for those of you who don't know what options are, options trading is kind of like, I don't know if I want to say trading on steroids, but you're, if you're buying like a, it's a, a it like an insurance almost or a hundred shares. How would I describe it? Yeah. So the way, the way to think about options is, is you're basically buying the right to uh, purchase a stock at a later time at a specified price. Yes. And In so options can, exactly. yes. You're, you're way better explaining to me. So <laughs> options can show where the market is going with a very sophisticated um, investor. Because, for example, if an, a sophisticated investor has a um, put option, which if you buy a put, you think the stock's going to go up. Is that correct? Uh, if you buy a put, then you think the stock will go down. It'll go down. Okay. And a, yep. if you buy a call, you think a call, it will exactly. go up. Okay. Got it. Um, then you can kind of see where a sophisticated investor is um, anticipating that stock to go. Exactly. And the downside of options is they expire. So if you bought an option for January of 2016, you really only have until January 2016 before your right expires, which means that your option could go to zero. Yes. So the upside is that they're cheap. The downside is they're really volatile. So you have to be really careful. And that's why that guidance is so important to, so that you have an experienced options investor helping you. Yes. And um, what it's called is to exercise the right of the option. You got it. And so that means that you would be exercising that that contract to buy or sell or whatever. Right. That's um, right. Yep. And I'm not claiming to be an option <laughs> and know anything about options or be an options trader. So don't listen to me. But I'm, I'm kind of trying to explain it for the person who's like, what the heck is she talking about? No, um, no, that's right. 
But if you have a very sophisticated investor who really knows what they're doing and they have that information, they can explain it, um, like you were saying, Celine, and that guidance is really, really important because of, like you said, the risk associated. Exactly. exactly. And you can also use options to hedge. Yep, you totally can. My dad is a my dad hedges a lot with options. Yes, and that can actually add an extra layer of safety. Yep. So if you are long a stock yep. and you want to have protection in case it goes down, right? Yep. Yeah. You okay. Write calls, exactly. You, yes. So you would write calls and that would that would protect you on both sides. Yep. Um okay. Are you sure you're not an options trader? <laughs> I know the very basics. Okay? okay, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive I know for the basics. The very, very basics. Um, I don't know how to do straddles. I don't know how to do all that other crap. I know the very basics. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like a very complicated concept. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out, um, what do they say? Call, call up, put down, right? Yeah. Call yep. up, put down. That's all you need to know. Yep. Exactly. And then you go on Instavest after yep. the options um, option is added, and then you read what those people have to say, not Rosie Tran. <laughs> yes. And you and you get the detailed explanation, and and also you can use it. I, I think it's important for people to understand that there's way, there are ways to hedge too, because a lot of people again there's that idea that it's just a casino, it's random, there's nothing we can do. It, you just put your money and it's it's a gamble. But no, there's a a method to the madness, right? Exactly. There is a method to the madness. And it's just, you know, being patient, waiting for the right pitch, and then looking for the entry point so that, you know, you have that safety embedded in it if things don't work out for you. And the entry point can can be, you know, when people are, I, I would say my general rule of thumb is the entry point is if people are, if you're selling for no reason, and it's a good, good, solid company. And I would say an exit point would be when everyone's talking about that stock, it's time, it's time to get your earnings and get out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think the most, the successful investors are very disciplined. So, you know, I had a, my, my old boss at the treasury, she's, you know, she was an amazing teacher, but she, she also, she taught me a lot of things. But one thing that I remember is that if she would make 20 to 25% on the stock, she would get out. And I said, well, what about, what if the stock is going to go up? She said, that additional 10% is not going to do anything for my life. And so it's, it's, it's this old adage that pigs get slaughtered. And so you want to just, you know, take what you get and, and, and sort of head for the hills. Yeah. And you know what? I 20% is a good number. A lot of friends I know do 10%, which is a little bit, you know, low for my, my taste. But um, it's very, very important because a lot of people do emotional investing. Yes. Which is, like I said, with the fear selling and the, and the buying when others are, you know, kind of when they're buddies or whatever, pumping stuff up. And that's not a good thing because e- investing should actually be very logical, not emotional, which is why I like the part of Incivest where you're explaining the logic behind what you're doing. Because exactly. Because a lot of times people get emotional, you know, um, I, I actually don't think you should be looking at your investments every day because that the ups and downs alone can give you a heart attack. That's right. A lot of people get a lot of people get concerned, but you know I think part of also being a good steward of somebody's capital is 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 telling them that you know things are going to be fine. These are temporary blips in the market. The market doesn't like uncertainty, and and they're you know we're sort of due for a correction. And so, yes. but long term they'll be fine. Yes, exactly. So I think it's very important to, like you said, be disciplined and not not look at it like um, uh, an emotional thing. Like oh, if I if I don't I think what you said about don't put the money out there that you need for food next week because you're going to be too emotionally attached for it. 
to it. If you have an extra thousand dollars or an extra hundred dollars or whatever, consider mm-hmm. it an extra. Don't say, oh my God, I need that money you know, for food. I need it. And, and if I lose this money, I'm going to go nuts. And be okay with bad investments yep. you know, here and there. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to pick 100% of the time every single winner. You right. know, I lost out on Wamu, and I'll admit that. Oh my God! <laughs> I know a lot of people were in Wamu. I lost out on Wamu, and, and that to me was an expensive lesson. But I learned yeah. a lot, and yep. I haven't made that mistake again. And I've, I've been pretty successful with my investing. But you know, I I took took my money. It wasn't that much. I think I put five hundred dollars sure. in Wamu, but it was five hundred dollars that went to zero. Did you buy it at like two bucks or five bucks something? I did. I bought it right before their announcement that they were um, in a pretty bad shape. Yeah. I bought a bunch of bank stocks um, uh-huh. when the banks crashed because I knew that people were just fear selling. Yeah. So I bought a bunch of bank stocks and Wamu was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I had great success with those other bank stocks and, and Wamu was one of my losers. <laughs> yeah. But on the whole, you made out really well. I did. I did. But um, but but I didn't have the fear of you know, a lot of people have a lot of fear with, oh, I'm going to lose money and this and that. Sure. You know, you 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 have to, like you said, put your money where your mouth is and, and learn learn from your mistakes. So I definitely learned a lot. And luckily, it was not an expensive lesson. It was only five hundred dollars. But um, we got to wrap up. So I'm excited about the future of the company. And I Thank hope you. and I love the idea that you're bringing this one percent knowledge to the rest of us, because I absolutely encourage all of my listeners to um, invest and get out of the rat race and kind of build their own business. You know, you should be investing in yourself. And exactly. a lot of people, you know, uh, are not. So I think that's great. And this sounds like a great tool. And I um, invite everyone to visit instavest.com. And um, how can people find um, are you guys on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, we're on Twitter. So we're at goinstavest.com. Or, sorry, on Twitter, we're at Go InstaVest. And on Facebook, that's also our handle, Go InstaVest. Um, and we're also on Business Insider, TechCrunch. Um, but obviously, InstaVest.com is the best place. And I wish you much success with your company. But hopefully, this isn't your last one. And I'll have you back on with another amazing company maybe in five years. Thank you so much. I really <laughs> appreciate it. It was wonderful speaking to you. This has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And of course, don't forget September 19th in Beverly Hills, California, we will be at LA PodFest. If you cannot make it, then go to LAPodFest.com and click on the live stream. It's $25, but $5 off with coupon code ROSIE. That is coupon code ROSIE, my name, R-O-S-I-E, and you will be able to catch not only out of the box, but all the podcasts that weekend. If you are able to make it to Beverly Hills, then we will be there. The tickets are $59 for the Saturday show, which I will be on. Um, as always, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, visit our sponsor, hugmetees.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Funny Rosie. This has been Out of the Box Podcast. 